The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to stop wasting time and make a shift towards enhanced productivity? Welcome to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration, featuring your host, David B. Savage. In our program, we will show you how leaders and their organizations are using collaboration to innovate and move ahead of their competition. It's not just about customers or employees or the board. It's working together throughout your company and with your stakeholders. Now, here is David B. Savage. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is David B. Savage. Our theme today is Collaboration negotiation and mediation strategies. I'm delighted to have our special guest today, Jeffrey Cohen, a mediator, leader, and chair of the Collaborative Global Initiative from New York State. Uh, Jeff is a good friend. He's a mountain man, passionate about getting the right people to come to their conclusions through mediation and proper negotiation. In this first segment, I really want to focus on negotiation. I want to talk today about negotiation strategies, personal awareness for negotiation, and I'll give you a checklist. So when you hear it, uh, if you want a copy of my negotiation steps to success, just uh, tweet me at, at David B. Savage or email me at david at davidbsavage.com and I'll get you that uh, checklist. It's very handy, uh, very useful as you prepare, whether you're just sitting down in a meeting room about to make a phone call or you really want to uh, plan out your negotiation well in advance with the right people in collaboration. So happy to offer that to you at no charge. Now, we negotiate every day. And yet we so often fail in our negotiations. Why is that? How do people get in our own way? How do we fail ourselves? And what is the cost of being triggered, stuck, enraged, engaged, or just blind, the blind spots? How might we be more mindful and personally aware? These are some of the issues that in my negotiation success checklist and my personal awareness today in the first part of the uh, show, we're going to talk about that. In my life, I've spent a lot of time negotiating, helping people get to the right place. I bring over 40 years, almost 41 years of experience in oil and gas, renewable energy, healthcare, entrepreneurship, stakeholder engagement, and conflict management. Over a 10-year period, my partners and I, we collaborated to create five companies and sell them within 10 years. Included in that, I also was part of small groups that created four not-for-profit organizations. Since 2007, I got out of that world and I've been focused on building capacity, innovation, and accountability in people and in in and between the organizations and communities. 
So that's what I want to do now. I want to help you negotiate, equip you, coach you, uh, focus on where are your strengths? What, where are your gaps? As my friend uh, Erica Ariel Fox, the author of the bestseller Winning from Within, termed it, there is a performance gap between our best potential and what we most often do. My focus in my entire career, and for you right now, is to help you get the right people with the right skills and resources in the right space at the right time to figure things out together. You can do it. We'll do it. So oftentimes, we're faced with rejection, high costs, lack of engagement, limited vision, limited resources. We're constrained. There's that scarcity. How do you break through to yes? Well, I offer a bunch of ways of doing that through my coaching and my organizational development, uh, consulting, speaking. Also, my book that you've heard about in the intro a number of times, and a number of you have Breakthrough DS, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration. I also work with a collaborative global initiative. This is six of us in the Netherlands, Canada, and the United States, helping organizations and communities and leaders get through conflict and complexity and break through to their yes. Since 1999, I've been working on uh, appropriate dispute resolution in the oil and gas industry in Canada. I was one of the co-founders in 1999 of uh, the what is now known as the Alberta Energy Regulator it's Appropriate Dispute Resolution Program. After uh, the unfortunate murder of Patrick Kent, an oilman shot by a landowner. In 2003, we started the Company-to-Company Dispute Resolution Council. We created and published a handbook called Let's Talk. Yeah, simple as that. We had 100 volunteers from legal, engineering, operations, marketing, accounting, all phases coming together to say we can do better together. So you can break through to yes. I want to make this personal. I want to first start you off with my negotiation success checklist. This is the one that I believe, well, I will will send it to you uh, if you contact me. And it's just a a great one-pager that you can use, you can develop. But I think oftentimes when we negotiate, we think only about ourselves and what we need. We think about what our companies are demanding, what our boss wants our positions, our strategies. We need to be far better negotiators. So here's my guide. I'm going to talk you through it. And again, send me a note uh, at David B. Savage or David at DavidBSavage.com and I'll get you a copy of this. A, when you're getting ready to negotiate, understand that negotiation starts when the relationship starts. This is the first hello. Negotiation like collaboration and dispute resolution is not an event. It's a relationship. Consider what's most important. What is it that you want? What are your fears? What are your interests, your vision, your boundaries? Start to hunch your interests 
and hunch theirs, their vision, their boundaries, their interests. Remember, interests are what are beneath the position. So, I want this, but there's a reason you want that. Focus on that reason. So, understand it's a relationship is one. Number two, really focus on your interests, their interests, and what's most important to you. Is it this particular piece of this particular deal, or is there much something much greater? Three, fully evaluate, estimate, and measure, prepare. Get as much data and relevant information as you can. That's so critical. We Don't be a lazy negotiator. Come prepared. Think it through and think their side through and help them win. I'll say that again. Help them win. Now, when you're at the negotiating table, first, money should be the last thing you talk about. Deal with the interests, issues, effects, and commitments first. The money part will then be a far more accurate compensation. When you bring money first, you're not building the relationship and you're setting yourself up for failure because it's actually not about the money. The money is the final element of the compensation. It's all of the terms and conditions and accountabilities that you really want to work through to make sure, yeah. To be blunt, we're not prostitutes. We are business people. We're fathers and mothers. We are leaders. We're community leaders. We're volunteers. Focus on the interests, issues, and effects and commitments. Money comes later. Money is important, but that's not the reason you're making the deal. You might get a million dollars and be miserable, or you might get very little and be ecstatic. Think about that as a perspective. So two, make time to fully engage and be face-to-face. That's right, face-to-face as much as possible. Don't use emails and phone conversations. They are so misleading. Increasingly in the last decade, people have been negotiating by text. Wow, how do you understand each other by text message in 140 characters or less? It is rife for misunderstanding. It may seem that avoidance calls or emails get the deal done, but unless you take the time to meet, you may miss important issues and opportunities. Yeah, that's opportunities. How many conversations or meetings have you been face-to-face where a comment is made and something brand new, a great opportunity or a great barrier comes up that you would never get by email or by a quick phone call? The keys to getting getting these opportunities are building respect, trust, and accountability from both parties. Three at the table... Early on, design the negotiation together. In other words, before you actually get into the bartering and the bargaining, talk about, do they have the authority? Do you have the authority? What are the resources that you'll need? What are the goals, timing, accountability? If this is a D priority for me sometime later next year, and yet it's your number one priority, uh, let's put that on the table. Because... Otherwise, I will frustrate you to death. Make certain you share expectations and understandings. You will be frustrated otherwise. Fourth thing in my negotiation steps to success when you're at the table is 
Be persistent and say no until you're ready to agree. This isn't a time to be nice. Be real. Have integrity. If it's not working for you, just continue to say no. We'll talk about the power of a positive no and difficult conversations a little later. Five, bring a wide range of wisdoms, personalities, and possibilities together. Really listen and ask questions if things are not clear. Especially ask, quote, stupid questions. Explore together and with neutral experts when you have issues that you do not have the resources to evaluate. Six, take great care to serve the other party's interests. Yeah. Your work is to also work their side of the deal and to build trust. Doing that will encourage them to serve your interests, whether it's in negotiation, mediation, or making love. If you take care of them, then they'll take care of me. It works that way. If it's only about me, it's going to be short term and I will get bit somehow. So take care of their side of the deal. Make sure that they're proud, they look good, and they get what they want on the basis that you also receive the same. Seven, this is in my book as well. It's key important is embrace conflict. Conflict's a good thing. Look for diversity, seek diversity, and positively engage challenge. Getting along or being nice often leads to disappointment. Yeah, let's not be fake or superficial. If there's conflict, go there. If you really disagree with what I'm saying right now, let me know. I want to have that conversation. I need to learn. Eight at the table. Create larger possibilities. What else can be achieved beyond the immediate short-term objectives? How will our next negotiation go? Nine. So just think about that. You're setting yourself for the relationship and negotiations to come. Nine. Evaluate and deal and create mutual accountabilities. If a party fails to perform and the consequences should be agreed up front, ensure both parties are accountable and the consequences are in writing. Ten, yeah, put it in writing. Document the deal properly. If there are items that are not in the prepared document, then add them. So after the negotiation, so you're done, you complete the deal signed, Review what you've learned, gained, lost, and the status of the relationship. That's right. What have you gained? What have you learned? What have you lost? How did it go? How can we improve better next time? Two, reconnect with the other parties to review and improve the process and outcomes. Prepare for the next deal with this party and others. In other words, sit down with them. Design for the next time. And fourth, understand that your negotiations are a complete cycle, a relationship and not an event. I've dealt with people in oil and gas, in healthcare, in renewable energy, on economic development tribunals, where we dealt with each other, you know, 30 years ago, and we trust each other. We get it. We're the first point of contact when an opportunity arises. In my book and on my website, davidbsavage.com, 
you'll see the realms of negotiation. The world is the outer realm. Other organizations or community is next. Your organization or company. Inside that is your family. Inside that is yourself. Yeah, think about that. In fact, the most difficult negotiation is with myself. How do I fail myself? Where do we go from here? After the break, I'm going to talk about personal awareness and awareness of others. I'm going to talk about collaboration, negotiation, and mediation, accountability, and vision. So let's take a short break, and I'll be right back, and we'll talk about that awareness. If the most difficult negotiations are with myself, what do I need to become aware of? What do I need to change? What do I need to stand for? We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. David B. Savage and his book, Breakthrough to Yes, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration, delivers a proven process to make collaboration work for you and your company. While creating the conditions that promote innovation and breakthroughs within and across your business and network, Seize this opportunity to join a movement of progressive, principled, and successful leaders. Engage with David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes today. Bring him to speak to your organization and engage his executive coaching and business consulting. See much more at davidbsavage.com. According to Kirkus Reviews, Savage's book, Breakthrough to Yes, unlocking the possible within a culture of collaboration. While it addresses organizational collaboration, this book could be interpreted more broadly as a treatise on building a cooperative culture within families, groups, businesses, and government. David's Collaborative Leadership 360 Assessment is an evaluation resource that will get you moving forward. Contact us now for a free 30-minute conversation on how more collaborative leadership may benefit you by visiting davidbsavage.com. That's davidbsavage.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. To reach David B. Savage or his guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to David at davidbsavage.com. Now, back to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. Welcome back. Well, we're often not aware of it. We do negotiate every day. Our negotiations involve outside organizations, internal teams, and ourselves. Negotiation training often targets skills, techniques, and strategies in dealing with the other. However, there is a performance gap. As I'd mentioned, my friend and co-founder of the Global Negotiation Insight Institute, Erica Fox, I quote Erica, The performance gap is the distance between your highest potential and what you actually do in practice. There are big differences. When I coach negotiations, negotiators in their negotiations, I want them to become clear on their interests, boundaries, their flexibility, potential, 
and relationships. Yes, the most difficult negotiations we have are with ourselves. So let's explore what does that look like? We must recognize this performance gap between our potential and what we actually do most often. There is a real difference between our intelligences and we need to access all of our intelligences, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, to break through our current and future challenges. When I coach negotiators, that's what I look at. That's what we do together. Now, if you look at um, turning negotiation into corporate capability by Ertel, uh, published way back about 20 years ago, the usual way of negotiation is uh, we confirm suspicions and perceptions about each other. We reduce risk taking and reduce creativity. Then we create a low value deal and we underinvest in the relationship. Then we further restrict information flow, which again confirms suspicions and perceptions. According to Ertel, and I believe this, a better approach is improve mutual understanding expand the scope of the discussions, create valuable options, improve trust and communications, and share information about each other's interests. When we're talking about personal awareness, some of the great books from the Harvard Program of Negotiation, I'll quote here, and I've quoted before, Fisher and Urey's Getting to Yes. You know, it's what, 40 years old now? They probably sold 40 million copies. It, it's a classic Separate positions from interests. Generate options for mutual gain. And most importantly, separate the people from the problem. My friends Stone, Patton, and Heen wrote Difficult Conversations, which we'll also talk here in a little later. What if the person is the problem? There is more than meets the ear. Do you like that? There is more than meets the ear. In every difficult conversation, there are feelings. Go to the learning conversation. There's a great ladder in difficult conversations. We often trade only conclusions back and forth without stepping down to where most of the real action is. The information and interpretations that lead each of us to see the world as we do. We've got to come down that ladder of the difficult conversations. Instead of exchanging conclusions or our perspectives and interpretations or observations, let's be curious. Let's talk about what's important to us, what are our interests. Let's explore each other. Now, in The Power of a Positive No by William Urey, another great book, we tend to accommodate by saying yes when we really wanted to say no. We attack by saying no poorly or triggering a conflict. Or most often, we simply avoid. Yuri teaches us, and I would share this with you and my negotiation clients, say no most often. Say yes to yourself. Be present to what will serve you and the relationship. And counter offer if you value the relationship. Boundaries and commitments. Set your boundaries. Allow the wedge of awareness. Assert your interests. Be clear and honor yourself. Invest yourself. Yeah, truly invest yourself. Many of you know that one of my favorite quotes is that from Viktor Frankl from his book, 
Man's Search for Meaning, From Death Camp to Existentialism. You might write this down and put it on your office wall. It is just brilliant. It is a guide for me. It is my reminder. Between every stimulus and response is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Yeah, I'll say it again. Between every stimulus and response is a space. In other words, don't react fast. Don't let the brain, the reptilian brain jump in there. Between every stimulus and response is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Viktor Frankl. Speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Yeah. Here's a few more things. You know, not knowing is important. I am a huge fan of the Enneagram and Nine Domains. And use those as uh, tools of awareness of yourself, your tendencies under stress, awareness of the other. And really, really look at these opportunities. That's what I want to share with you. Really look at these opportunities. You know, the, the dilemma of a difficult conversation. Let's get back to uh, Doug and Sheila's book, Difficult Conversations. The dilemma is, if we avoid the problem, we feel taken advantage of. Our feelings fester. We feel like a coward. We're lost. We've lost an opportunity to improve things. If we confront the problem, things actually might get worse. That's the paradigm, the dilemma of a difficult conversation. What if we looked at it differently? What if we accepted a paradigm shift from proving a point, giving a piece of our mind, get our way, convince, manipulate, or persuade the other to a learning stance? Understand what happened from the other's point of view. In each conversation, in negotiations, there are difficult conversations. Stop arguing, start learning together, separate the people from the problem. And difficult conversations are at their very core about feelings. When it comes to understanding our emotions, most of us are lost. Yeah, let's, let's just not do that. So where I wanna take you with this is awareness. Use tools, any tools that you like uh, that'll help you become more aware of yourself mindfulness, mindfulness in negotiation and leadership and collaboration. But let's not deliver our message. Why don't we build the relationship? Why don't we break through to our own yes and bring ourselves to understanding the other, focusing on their uh, their, their other, and at the same time, protecting what's most important to us. After the break, I've got my friend and mentor, Jeff Cohen from Albany, New York, and he's going to explore with us about dispute resolution, mediation. He's, he's one of the world's leader, leading mediators. Uh, he's done so much. I respect him so much. And we will go there now. We will go there, pardon me, after the break with my friend Jeff Cohen. We'll be right back.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. David B. Savage and his book, Breakthrough to Yes, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration, delivers a proven process to make collaboration work for you and your company. While creating the conditions that promote innovation and breakthroughs within and across your business and network, seize this opportunity to join a movement of progressive, principled, and successful leaders. Engage with David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes today. Bring him to speak to your organization and engage his executive coaching and business consulting. See much more at davidbsavage.com. According to Kirkus Reviews, Savage's book, Breakthrough to Yes, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration. While it addresses organizational collaboration, this book could be interpreted more broadly as a treatise on building a cooperative culture within families, groups, businesses, and government. David's Collaborative Leadership 360 Assessment is an evaluation resource that will get you moving forward. Contact us now for a free 30-minute conversation on how more collaborative leadership may benefit you by visiting davidbsavage.com. That's davidbsavage.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. To reach David B. Savage or his guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to David at davidbsavage.com. Now, back to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. Welcome back, everyone. Uh Firstly, I apologize. I've got a bit of a sore throat, and I think my friend Jeff, who we're about to interview, has the same. So <laughs> if you hear us a uh, little raw or coughing, <clears throat> that's what it sounds like. Um, we've talked about our, my negotiation steps to success, personal awareness, mindfulness, being clear on interests, building the relationship. Now I really want to introduce you Again, actually, some of you would have heard my friend Jeff uh, back in my 2015 uh, podcast radio show series. Jeff, uh, we can find out more about at jcohenmediation.com. That's J-C-O-H-E-N mediation.com and the collaborativeglobalinitiative.com. <clears throat> Jeff has been a good friend, a confidant, and a, and a mentor of mine for about nine years. He has been an attorney and mediator in private practice since 1984. Jeff's practice is concentrated in the mediation of disputes involving divorce, separation, business and commercial, organizational, and workplace-related issues. Uh, Jeff is a former director of the Association of Conflict, for Conflict Resolution, ACR, that's acrnet.org, which is the largest mediation organization in the United States. Jeff uh, chaired the ACR Ethics Committee, uh, which is charged with the creation and promotion of the best ethical practices for mediators and other alternative dispute resolution professionals. He's an advanced practitioner. Um, He's been given that title, earned that title, and has been admitted to the ACR Academy of Family Mediators. 
Jeff has accumulated over 500 hours of specific mediation training from many of the finest mediation training programs and trainers around the world, especially Canada and the United States, including the Harvard Program on Negotiation and Cornell. Now, Jeff, I could uh, brag about you for a long time. Keep going. uh, Keep going. I love this. (laughs) Let me just save our time for your valuable insights. I invite our listeners to uh, connect with Jeff. He is uh, one of the best. Uh, But, uh, Jeff, before, uh, I've got a a series of questions I'd like to ask you, but any any remarks that you might want to make, Jeff, before we get into that? Well, my goodness. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, You and I go back a very long way, um, and uh, I think there's a lot of mutual respect, and I think at this point a lot of mutual sickness. Um, Both of us are a bit afraid here uh, in in terms of our voices, but uh, I will certainly do my best to speak up and answer your questions. And and again, I'm honored that uh, you speak so highly of me. So... um, Please proceed. Well, I, I certainly do. Uh, you're uh, a real positive force for business, for families, and uh, for me. Well, thank you. Now, tell us a little bit more about your work, Jeff. Well, the easy way to say it is is that I am an in-the-trench mediator. Uh, from sunup to sundown, to sort of paraphrase Neil Young, I'm waging heavy peace. Um, And I absolutely love the idea that I get up in the morning and I'm helping folks resolve their conflicts. As you say, I do a lot of divorce work. Uh, I do a lot of workplace and organizational uh, uh, mediation. Uh, I mediate in uh, commercial matters for the U.S. government, their Department of the Interior. I've done work with Native American groups. Uh, I do some facilitation work as well, uh, working with larger groups uh, where there are essential conversations that need to be had. Um, I also uh, teach this stuff up at Syracuse University. Every spring I lecture on the ethically embraceable model of mediation. And you mentioned briefly, and I think it's very important as a shout out for the Association for Conflict Resolution. ACR is an extraordinary organization, and if you have any Uh, If you are a mediator, facilitator, or other ADR professional, or whether you are just interested in knowing more about it, go to acrnet.org. We are an organization of extraordinary individuals who are doing nothing but trying to uh, promote peaceful, productive conflict resolution. And we have... uh, um, we have a number of different sections. We have a family section, an environmental and uh, public policy section. We have a, a state planning section. We have, we have a workplace section. Uh, there's a place for you to fit and to get involved. And I ask every one of you that may have an interest, please take a look at us. We are an extraordinary organization, and we'd love to have you. I'm, I'm also a member of the ACR. It is an extraordinary organization. <clears throat> Powerful people... More important, uh, powerful sense of family and community, and and I attribute that, uh, in part at least, to uh, your work on ethics. You know, mm-hmm. people people uh, might say ethics and law. What's that? But wow. uh, you have a completely different frame on ethics and mediation and dispute resolution. Well, this is what I would say in a nutshell. Any organization is only, or any profession is only as good as its ethical ethical underpinnings. 
ethics provide structure to a process. Ethics provide integrity. Integrity in the, in the context of mediation means that everybody at the table, whether I'm working with divorcing folks, whether I'm working with uh, 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 folks in a workplace or organizational matter, it means that I'm going to provide a level of service that is going to be protective of everyone in the room so that everybody can be ensured that they're only going to make the best possible decisions for themselves, which is the cornerstone of the mediation process, which is uncoerced self-determination. So that is very important to me. Yeah, that's critical. You know, I I remember early days when I was getting uh, one of my professional designations, they said, well, you got to take an ethics course. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, why? It's like pulling teeth. Why would I'm a professional? I don't need this. Well, I don't think there's anything more important than having that foundation in ethics and values. And what I'll share with you, and I think I've shared this with you in the past, in my rotary, uh, my local rotary club, that's one of the things I'm most proud of is we go into the local high school in Cranbrook, British Columbia, and we teach a half a day on values. Mm. And then we teach another half a day on ethics. And all of a sudden, these high school students... It becomes real to them. This is this is their guide. This is their their boundaries. This this is where I will say no. And you know, simple simple approaches that make it real for their interests and their world, all of a sudden gives them you know the guide guidance on how to behave. Absolutely. And in my practice, I tell folks right up front: ethics first, money second. So if I will never breach one of the ethical rules or ethical principles of our organization, and I will always have a good reason uh, for why I won't do that in a particular instance. Some people say, oh, come on, you can do this, that, or the other thing. And I'll say, no, I can't. And I give, an, uh, I, I give a, a reason for that. So for me, if you uphold the ethics of the process, the process will uphold you. Yeah, I like it. It's a, it's a beautiful frame. Um, it, is it a, a rules of engagement then, Jeff? Well, there are a number of different aspects to this. Uh, back in 2005, the Association for Conflict Resolution, ACR, along with the American Bar Association and the American Arbitration Association, uh, co-adopted, if you will, or, or approved, there are specific uh, ways that they either approved or adopted, a set of practice standards. I have them on my website if anybody's interested. I've posted them there. I make sure all of my clients read them. And then uh, uh, a number of years later, I co-authored the ethical principles of our organization. And if you're a professional, you understand there are ethical, there are practice standards and principles. And the principles are really the lens through which we interpret those standards. And so uh, when, you're, when, when in doubt, you go to those standards and they will tell you uh, what it is that you need to know about professionalism, about competency, about how you hold yourself out to the public, about the ethics of the process itself, the ethics of what is, in fact, a mediator. Um, these are so important. And uh, I make sure that every new set of clients that comes in the door has a copy of those ethical principles and ethical standards in their hands. Uh, where a practitioner may have a difficulty with it, uh, not sure about something, they can call myself or my co-chair uh, and uh, on the ethics committee and we'll have a conversation with everyone about what is ethical and what isn't and give our perspectives. So um, 
Yes, I guess is the short answer, and I just gave you the long answer. Well, so um, oftentimes we get into conflict. We fail to negotiate effectively when the values and ethics of the two parties or three parties are so different. Would it be important for us to actually uh, uh, talk about that up front? Rephrase that for me in some way, so, just so I so, can really focus in on that in my uh, in in my yeah. drugged up state here, as you perhaps are. <laughs> no, no, no drugs here, uh, and and it's interesting, uh, everyone. Uh, Jeff, I <clears throat> I think you're in your office in Albany, New York. That's correct. And I'm in my office in Cranbrook, British Columbia. So mm. we didn't share this, but I think the uh, the weather system seems to go. You know, across the Rockies, all across the plains to the Great Lakes and to New York. Mm-hmm. So, we are we are one. Uh, I want to get back to the. Uh, I the caught issue this. Of, what you're saying is, I caught this uh, this illness from you. Yes, uh, three days ago I coughed, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and play being playful a bit. You know <laughs> that coughing and that sharing the sickness or raspiness or lack of ethical standards. It, it can be a metaphor for why don't we start with the basics about ethics? So oftentimes we will we will look at even our political leaders and our community leaders are are activists these days and say, "Wow, you know, where are they coming from?" Um, I, I talked early in the in the show about the boundaries, about uh, designing the negotiation, about really being clear on what's most important. And uh, that's where I come back is at some times in in my career as a negotiator and a collaborator, uh, there are uh, very few, but there are a few people that I I just cannot deal with. They are just aliens to me, and I need to find simply to say no and and shut down. You know, is is there a way that we can gauge? You know, you take care with your clients and and in your teaching, you, you help them create those understandings and those ethical approaches and awareness. Um, How do you deal with it when uh, at least one party just doesn't act that way? Well, it's funny you say that because I'm I'm springing this on you. As much as we're good friends, I don't think you know that I'm actually writing a book about conflict awareness. Um, And I always start out with folks that are seemingly intractable by explaining to them my role in very simple terms. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, I'm sure many of our readers are, Viktor Frankl, who uh, wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. It's one of those books that's on every top 10 list on the planet. And he says that between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom. So I set the stage. It's a very powerful statement. And then I follow up with and say, ethically, my role is to occupy that space between the stimulus and the response and to use the various interventions and techniques that I have to make sure that in that space we are working towards a proactive, positive, mutually acceptable outcome. So I have a theory. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And why, why would I do that? Well, why would you do that? Well, you've got to get things done. Right. If people are in my office and they're having a conflict, they need to resolve it because the conflict is either disruptive to their private lives or they're losing money in their businesses because of it or their job is at stake. 
uh, or any other number of reasons why a conflict may be negative. Uh, and my theory is, and in, in, my, in, in this book that I'm writing, is that the more aware we are of why we are in a conflict, the more likely we are to be able to transcend and create that, that transcend the conflict and create create options for positive outcomes. And I truly believe that there are conflicts of the mind, conflicts of the body, and conflicts of the spirit. Um, our unconscious mind creates automatic behaviors, which we all have. Our body can also hijack us. Our amygdala, our fight or flight response, can hijack us and make us less amenable to a cognitive uh, process. And conflicts of the spirit really are about what we individually believe to be just, what our own deeply held beliefs are, without necessarily wanting to understand or with discounting what other people's deeply held beliefs are and what other people feel are just. And so I believe that by talking about these things with my clients and making them self-aware of why they are conflicting. And these are things that everybody relates to. I don't care how obstinate a person is. Uh, People will say in the beginning, well, I don't really need a lesson in psychology or physiology or in what is just. And I'm not doing that at all. I'm just simply making them aware of their own behaviors and why they may be stuck in conflict. Yeah, well, this is going to be a brilliant book. And and, uh I, I know I need that. I need that on a daily basis when my reptilian brain starts to get triggered most of the time, not all of the time, but I, I remind myself of, okay, notice the emotion, notice the reaction, what's underneath there. Why am I responding this way? What's, what value is it crossing? What, what are my interests? Mm-hmm. What, how would I choose to react now that I've given myself that space between stimulus and response? Well, here's the problem. You know, when we have a problem with our body, we try to treat it ourselves, and there comes a point where we say, uncle, i got to go see a doctor, right? (laughs) Uh, When we have these kinds of issues, often we try to self-justify our behaviors rather than say, hey, we may actually need a professional to get us through this. And uh, I can say the same thing. As a conflict resolver, I'm not really good at my own conflict because it's very difficult when it is you experiencing it for all of these reasons. So the, the whole idea is, A, we must be aware that we are being automatic. Um, automatic behaviors, let's face it, every morning when we get up, folks, I guarantee that very little different happens every morning from the time you touch the floor with your, with your first toe until the time you have your first cup of coffee. At least me, I'm a coffee addict. I go through my morning ablutions in a similar pattern every day. Much depends upon us being automatic. But if you're really honest with yourself, the way you conflict with somebody now is the way you've always conflicted because we create automatic behaviors around how we conflict as well. And you need a professional that's able to take you out of those behaviors, those circular patterns that keep you stuck and mired in your own backwash. The same thing with your, with the, with that, and those are the, the, the conflicts created by the mind, the conflicts created by the body. You talked about your lizard brain, which is what uh, uh, um, uh, Carl Sagan talked about. Uh, our amygdala is our fight or flight response. And as Peter Diamandis said in his book, Uh, uh, abundance. He said the amygdala, once 
activated doesn't easily turn off. And he, and, he, and he ends with the idea that the amygdala is always looking for something to fear. So if you're going through a divorce, if you're going through a conflict, the amygdala gets fired up and hijacks you and makes you rely more on your automatic behaviors and lets you rely more on what your own deeply held beliefs are without having the capacity to look beyond those beliefs to understand compassionately that someone else may think differently. Just look at our election in this country. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm just hesitating. I'm uh, not an American, but I keep on thinking of certain politicians where you, where you look at it and say, well, certain politicians, and I, and I don't just re- relay this only to the President of the United States. I relay this to many politicians and many leaders, coaches of sporting teams, where... They simply lead by fear, lead by uh, isolation, lead by shutting down the other, as opposed to what you're helping us to understand is to be more aware of ourselves and mm-hmm. more aware and respectful of the others, of the people that were in conflict. And this is really, and, and to tell you the truth, this could be, uh, I'm not trying to plug CGI here, folks, but I really, if there's anyone out there that has the resources to hire someone like a CGI to go throughout North America and to not be political, but to hold these kinds of conversations, to help stakeholders on both sides actually compassionately understand why they voted one way or another, we can create a new center in this country, a new center that will allow everyone to be heard, everybody to be respected. Uh, as opposed to us being conti- continually being polarized. I apologize, I tripped over my tongue there. Uh, <laughs> but that's really what we need at this point. We need an organization. We need, we need to have town hall meetings where we're listening to Trump voters, where we're listening to Hillary voters, where we're, we're listening to people who didn't vote at all, and to create deeper understandings as opposed to simply dispensing with someone who didn't hold your worldview. There are a lot of reasons to be compassionate on both sides, but it's not happening. Yes. Many, uh, you know, I'm really proud as a Canadian to say uh, many people around the world uh, think Canada and Prime Minister uh, Joe Trudeau, according to Sean Spicer, Justin Trudeau, in accurate, actual <laughs> fact, is a great thing. <clears throat> now, many Canadians think he's a horrible thing, and mm. none of that really matters, you know. Uh, Justin Trudeau, Donald Trump, uh, whomever, they're just people. And as Margaret Wheatley uh, taught us a long time ago, um, we set up these heroes for failure. Uh, Through work in mediation, negotiation, collaboration, we're, we're actually trying to set up teams to work together better. So, Jeff, you know, tell us... um, We've only got about a minute left here, but what I'd really like to have our listeners understand is what what does a mediation look like when you help people guide them past their amygdalas and their their fears and their hurts? Uh, can you can you just say a little bit about what it is that you do in the room with them? Well, the training is in literally hundreds of psychologically based interventions and techniques that are used never to manipulate folks to a result, but to manipulate folks to a place of objectivity, emotional safety, as I just said, conflict awareness, why you may be 
holding on to this conflict, all of the things that I talked about. And then my job on top of that is to allow, is to impose a frame. I like to say that I own, I, I don't remember who, who said this, but I'm going to quote whoever it is, and thank you if you're listening. A mediator owns the structure of your conversation. You own the outcome. And the structure can be interest-based negotiation through the Harvard program on negotiation. It can be one of your countrymen and someone who lives around the corner from you, Larry Fong's uh, uh, version of the Milan model, the hypothetical model. It could be a narrative approach. There are all these various approaches. So my job is to help everybody by imposing a structure on the conversation and to impose the structure of realizing we're not here to talk about what's wrong. You already know what's wrong. We're here to talk about what's possible and how to implement it. Yeah. So that's very important because courts are interested in justifying what happened in the past in order to hang their legal peg on an outcome. We don't worry about the past. We're not interested in proving what happened three years ago because people have evolved beyond that. My job is to help people move forward and to build their new future, to help them to collaborate uh, in the in the purest sense of the term, and to help them build something and to preserve the relationship rather than destroy it. And to stay in control. They are the ones that create that outcome. Yes. So, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for joining us in our uh, in our in our show today. We've explored our steps to negotiation success, personal awareness for negotiators, and mediation and dispute resolution, the structure and ethics. So, our call to action to you is reach out to three key people in your family, your business, your clients, or your community, and talk about the structure of your collaboration, how you wish to negotiate, innovate, resolve your conflicts. Be open, listen deeply, and design it and decide together. Thanks, everyone, and thank you, Jeff. Let's work together better. Be well. Thanks for tuning in this week to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. Your host, David B. Savage, invites you to join us again for another engaging episode next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a breakthrough week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.